Hello everyone. I'm your Tilaka Kumar, the host of Selecta podcast. This podcast is dedicated to inspire and empower women to pursue an excellence in career by filling the gender gap, to live to the fullest of her potential and to achieve financial independence. I will be interviewing amazing successful women sales leaders and entrepreneurs from India and around the globe. Where we discuss their sales journey, their challenges, their wins, and much more. Let's dive in. Our guest today is uh, Michelle Hecht. She's international sales coach, and she has twenty years experience in sales in pharmaceutical industry. She is a proud mother for two children. Welcome, Michelle, to our show. Thank so, you. So uh, you are amazing. You are very genuine. I know. I follow you a lot. So let's start. I just want to start. See, you are a successful woman for me. So, what is the three habits which made you as a successful woman? Great question. So, I don't think I would have been able to actually use that word successful for many years. Okay. And you know what? I think that it, it's very easy to use that word loosely, and what that word has meant for me. has changed over the years. It used to be all about making money, that's always a big part of it. It's really being in a place in your career where you are combining what you're very passionate about, what you believe in, what comes naturally to you. You're able to combine your passion with your purpose, right? Mm. And then turn that into a profit. So mm. that's what success means to me and in order to get there, it's just been a lot of resilience understanding mm-hmm. that you're going to fall down a lot you're going to make mistakes you're going to trip up you're going to make bad decisions but if you can always look for the lesson in the mess right if you can always learn from it somehow mm-hmm. and then bring it with you as you continue that's what it takes resilience and a positive mindset yeah i liked it actually for many people success means it's money yeah <laughs> it's not actually money even for me first is the self respect self identity yeah. that is what uh, success means and your self satisfaction you know your something you've achieved yeah and the next one is how it's all started for you the sales how it started because women they're not they're really getting back coming into sales so how yeah. it's all started it's a it's a funny story and i'll tell it very briefly <laughs> <laughs> i was going into college and i went along with my mom she was joining a gym and i took a ride with her and i sat down with her in the fitness facility and she was you know buying a membership it was a few years and it was a monthly payment plan and i was just watching the interaction between them and i thought it was amazing i was on my way i had it all figured out i thought to be an attorney and i was going to go pre law and i did all of that anyway but mm-hmm. i took a part-time job i i got along well with the manager that day and i was offered a part-time sales job and what started out as making a little bit of extra money all through college mm-hmm. i ended up working with that company for 7 and a half years and wow. started making part-time money but worked my way up as a northeast regional sales trainer for 43 clubs i was all through college and that was for me it was like wait a minute I just took a job for some part-time money to go out and have fun with my friends and I realized it was something that I loved to do and that it was fun and I was making good money and I felt good about myself. So sometimes wow. women can just 
do things to support other people, or they can do things to make extra money, or, you know, maybe they have a hobby or an interest and they have no intentions of doing anything that seems big and long-term, but then it turns into something because you listen to your heart and you realize that you enjoy it and it makes you feel good and you're making other people feel good. And one more thing is if women excel in sales or whatever field, she not only helps for herself, she helps the community. And what is your secrets of selling and closing? You know, many people stuck in selling and closing. So what is your top secrets? (laughs) I don't know if I can honestly say that there are secrets. There's a couple of things that I hold very near and dear to my heart and that I apply in sales in general. Okay, And that's just taking the time to get to know people, playing the long game, not looking at every opportunity as a transaction. Mm. Because if that's the way you approach it, then people, they feel that, they know that. So I take relationships. It was like on the tip. <laughs> I take relationships very seriously. And I, I'm very intentional about the people that I talk to and reach out to and the conversations that I have. And I, I play the long game and I, I do my research and I get to know them. And I, I really focus on building those relationships because by doing that, not only do I end up doing business with many people, but then they refer me to other people because they they know that I care and that I'm there to really help them and support them and provide solutions for them. It's mainly relationship, through relationship, word of mouth, you know, it spreads, right? It will never let you down when you focus not just on the metrics and the sales goals and the quotas and closing a sale and being persistent. People feel that. People don't like being sold to. There mm-hmm. are statistics there. It's been tried and true and it's proven. You walk into a department store, the salesperson comes over. Can I help you find something? What's the first thing you say? No, 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 I'm good. I got it. I'm going to browse. And if I need anything, I'll let you know. It's no different here. People don't like being sold to, but people love the buying process. They love to buy things, relationships. There is a saying, customer gives you order because he likes you, not because he likes your products or features, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There are plenty of people out there that do what you do and do what I do. And at the end of the day, what makes somebody turn around and say, I'm going to work with you is Mm -hmm. not only your product or your service, but like you said, it's you. They're buying the experience of working with you. If it's not a transaction that's like one and done, if it's a partnership where you're going to have to service them, you know, and help them and answer questions, and it's going to be a longer term relationship, you have to think about that. You have to think, okay, well, just because we're signing paperwork today, I know that I'm going to be in this person's life over the next three months, six months, year. And if they renew, you know, so you have to be able to look further down the road and say, this is not just about now, like this is a developing relationship. Like Long term, yeah. Yeah, so that's key. That's so key. And what about the challenges you're faced and you're overcome, especially being a woman? You know, it's not easy. Oh, no. Because you're expected to juggle, not expected, but you want to, right? A career and a family and taking care of a home. And, you know, there's just so many moving parts, right? And you have to be able to take a step back and accept the fact that on certain days, certain weeks, certain months, years, your focus might be a little bit going in one direction. And that's okay if one side, you know, one side might be here and one is here and it's never going to be even, it's never going to be the same for all of those moving parts. But again, it's all about the long game, right? Just because things might be 
things might feel like, you know, you're juggling like a clown right now doesn't mean that it's going to be like that forever. But women are great at that. Women are amazing at that. We know how to multitask. <laughs> we can do 15 things at once and yeah. we do them like effortlessly, flawlessly. It's like a natural innate thing that we do. It's great. Yeah. But how you usually your daily routine, how you manage the time? Any any secrets behind it? <laughs> I do what works for me and I talk about this all the time with my own clients and I I share it openly, right? You can't wait for the day to come or the week to come and then all of a sudden say, "Okay, I have to do this, this, this and this." If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Mm-hmm. And it's not that difficult to embrace. And what I mean by that is, for example, time management is very important. Even if you are only focusing on your job and time management and figuring it out, but when you start to apply your own personal endeavors, right, and taking care of your family and going food shopping or going exercising, taking a walk, making certain phone calls, there are so many things that we have to do in the course of a day. And so if you prepare even just calendar block, even a couple of days out and say, "Okay, I wake up at this time and then I eat breakfast and then this is what I do." If you can take a step back and really look at your whole day and how you spend your time and you start to see patterns, you should be building your career around your life, not your life wow. around your career. And when people realize that, that makes a huge difference because then you start to find the time, what do I need to do right now that's very important that can't wait? What is top priority that I have to do today or this week? And then what can really wait till next week or next month? Like what can I afford to push on the back burner? And when you can put that into like different buckets, into different groups and then plug it into your calendar, it does wonders. it really does yeah i understand actually you know it is a good point if you sit back and see your daily time what you do yeah. you will really realize you're wasting so much of time yeah you know watching movies or unnecessary videos yeah. but if you sit back and see what actually you're doing then you feel there are a lot of time available for you absolutely yeah. and you have to almost plan the fact that you're going to get lost in social media or you're going to get lost watching a show and you know you might miss another episode so you have to leave that buffer but you know how people sometimes like pack their schedule and they do it for their kids too and i i i look at them like are you serious like how much can you put on somebody's plate but women do that too and men do that too. we all do it they'll take their calendar and they're like oh my god you know and to them that looks great like look how busy i am busy doesn't always mean productive number one mm-hmm. and that whole hustle and grind and that's not cool anymore you know like that doesn't mean that you're successful it means that you're running yourself into the ground and now i don't know how it is by you but over here there is a lot of buzz and it's not even buzz it's real about burnout it is a real thing people are experiencing it doctors are now treating it like there are specific codes for it you know treatment codes so you take a step back like you said you take a look at what your priorities are you also compare that with the way that you live your life day to day and what your rhythms are and you figure out what has to be done right away and what can wait a little bit and then you plug that into your calendar week by week and it makes a huge difference yeah according to me more than skill set the mindset we need to set it right right absolutely yeah yeah in fact i think that mindset probably is like a prelude to skill set uh, <laughs> i do because you could you could have the most incredible skill set but if you don't have the right mindset and i don't mean the whole like positive mindset you know skipping through the lilies you know like no what i what i mean is 
if you have the right mindset and you understand that everything is not this perfect picture and that you have to take the good with the bad and you have to stay kind of even keeled and you understand that there is a way of bouncing back from practically everything, right? Mm -hmm. If you go into every situation like that and every sale like that, or you're, you start prospecting with that mindset, every time something doesn't go your way and it goes south, you're not devastated. You're not going from here to here. And he, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, that's, yes. that's the important thing, like what you just said about mindset. What about the statistics? You have an idea because there are very less women in sales. How about in U.S.? Since oh. you stay in New, New York, is yeah. it the same situation there? There are a lot of women in sales. However, over the last 13 months in this pandemic, the people that have been hit the hardest by this pandemic in the professional world are women. In fact, they're working mothers. Yeah. And excuse me, the numbers are astronomical. In fact, I don't know where the stats are today, but from the last time I checked, I mean, easily close to two thirds of the workforce were women and especially marginalized women, women of color, women of lower socioeconomic backgrounds. It's unbelievable. It's as if we weren't, you know, marginalized already, all of us as, as women in the working world. That's true, yeah. But then you, you know, now with the pandemic, unfortunately, women have been, you know, sitting here trying to figure out, having to make decisions. Like, do I take care of my children or do I go to work? You know, and I can't do both because I don't have anywhere. I don't have care, you know, aftercare or, you know, daycare because those were closed and they couldn't bring people into their homes while they work. And they were juggling oh like this with children. And it is what it is. It's almost like we went back 50, 60 years. Seriously. And for you, how it's all turned from uh, being a job, nine to five job, then turning into sales coach, how it's all started. You know, it's been a great ride. It started years and years ago with that job I told you about. And after that, I was ready to go to law school. I was pre-law all through college. I took the LSATs. I did well. I was filling out applications. I pulled the plug at the last minute. And the reason I'm telling you this is because to me, after working all through college and even a few years after college, I knew at an early age that this was not something that was nine to five, that this was something that you're really doing in your personal life. Think about it. And I was just talking about this yesterday on a podcast. You are really selling all day, every day. You're trying to close your children on cleaning their room, on eating their vegetables. You're trying to sell your, your spouse, your partner, boyfriend, girlfriend on picking something up from the store for you. And they're tired and they don't want to go. And you really want ice cream and you want to watch TV on the couch that night. And Right. And you're on the phone with the doctor which I was earlier and you want an yeah, appointment I know. and you want an appointment this week not next month so there are exchanges that are going on all day every day with friends and family and neighbors and strangers and colleagues it's not just 9 to 5 and I picked up on that very very early on and I loved it it was challenging it was fun and I loved the exchange with people and every day was different so that's when I knew that it wasn't just a job to make money, to pay bills, to buy a few nice things, to go to sleep, to get up in the morning and just repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. I, I didn't want to live my life like that. But uh, see, in India, I don't know about US, here, the importance a company gives for sales training or sales coach or individual giving importance to mentoring sales coach, it's very, very less. So what about you? Is it so important a person should have sales coaching or a mentor? 
to move forward? I am a little bit biased, <laughs> okay. but, but to be perfectly transparent with you, it is important here to have sales training. So most good companies, when they hire people, they have some sort of an onboarding program. They have sales training. The issue is most companies, all they're doing is it's a formality, right? They bring people on. They want them to know the product or the service, the culture, the rules and regulations. It's its to introduce them to everything and they give them what they need, but it's kind of basic. It's baseline, right? They're not training people right out of the gates to be superstars. It's baseline and it's what they need to at least get out there and do what they have to do. And they'll shadow, you know, high performers, you know, sit next to people and on the phones, whatever it is. However, the problem is the ongoing training, the ongoing coaching. And you know this, you've been in sales for a long time. You've been successful in sales for a long time. There are always people that rise above, right? And they become like stellar performers and they have that drive and they're self-motivated. And then there are people that kind of stay where they're at. They don't really yeah. do much. And then there are people that drop to the bottom. And if you're doing that without metrics, it's hard enough. But then you factor in quotas and sales goals and KPIs and having to answer to a manager. And, you know, there's like a chain of command. So there's pressure and you're not getting what you need and you only got what you needed in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So there's a lack of long-term support, ongoing support. And that's why so many people seek a sales coach or a business, you know, career coach, business coach, or go elsewhere and take courses and find things outside of their, their company and, you know, to kind of supplement what they're doing because they're not getting what they need at work. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And what about leadership? I see very less women in leadership role. Why it is so and what, what they have to do to become a leader? There's so many reasons why. And I, I wish I could say definitively, what it is, but we live in a very patriarchal society, you know, just from the dawn of time, it was the men went out and they worked hard and they provided for their family and they carried the burden and everything, you know, they were the, the head of the family, right? The patriarch and the women, they had children, they were home, they made dinner, you know, they made meals, they were caretakers. And that, even though that is the way that things were more or less years and years ago, and things have definitely changed and evolved since. It's so, the term I use is like baked in. It's so baked in that we don't even realize that it comes out in everything that we do and say, even if we don't realize we're doing it, like microaggressions. So, you know, and then you have like the, the gender issues. There's just more men in leadership roles than women yeah. and ageism and then women having to make decisions and leave the workforce to take care of children. So there's just all these variables. And, and there's also the fact that men just, men often approach business differently. I hate to say it, and I'm not speaking about all men. I would never do that. But for example, I took a course with Harvard Business School online mm -hmm. last okay. year, and it was a few months and it was in negotiation mastery. Mm -hmm. And in one of the courses, in one of the modules that we were doing together, it talked about how when it comes to interviewing for a job, let's say, right? Mm. Men will absolutely go forward and be more assertive and speak up and be proactive about negotiating, whereas women will take a little bit of a step back. 
there's just little things that are not just in one particular industry. It's across the board. And women are definitely juggling a lot. And there's different moving parts. Absolutely. What is the important quality a leader should have, whether it is male or female? That's a great question. And I talk about this all the time. A leader has to understand that people don't work for her or him. She or he works for the team. Mm -hmm. So if you walk around, you third person, if you walk around excited about your title and your status and you assume that automatically that, okay, you're a leader, people have to automatically respect you and bust their butt for you. And it's just you, 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 you. If you do that, you will not gain respect. You will not have people working hard for you. And I've seen this saying before, I've seen this quote and I love it. When people feel appreciated, they will always do more than what's expected. When leaders understand that they have to roll up their sleeves and they're right there in the trenches with their people and it's not beneath them to sit with their people, go out in the field with their people, have an open door policy, talk to their people, have coffee, have lunch. When you do that, it doesn't make you look weak. In fact, it makes you look like a hero that you really care and it's back to the relationships. So it's the ego, remove the ego and the whole world will change. That's really what, that's that's a genuine leader. It's not a title. It's bringing out the best in your people and understanding that you work for your people. So. I've heard uh, some of your talks. You talk about servant leadership. Yeah. What exactly it is? That's what it is. That's what it is. It's an understanding that in order to really get anywhere in life, you have to have the mindset that it's not all about you. You're not the center of the universe and you have to be of service to other people but not just do it as a stepping stone to get to where you want to go. You have to do it because you want to do it, because you find pleasure in it, because you care enough to do it. There are so many days that I scratch my head and I'm like, how am I going to make money? I want to save the world. <laughs> I have lots of conversations and I talk to people and I reach out and I email and I don't have these like generic templates where I plug in a name and I fire off 300 a day. I've never done that a day in my life. Wow. When I joined just recently uh, TCC, which is the Talent Champions Council, an incredible group. But okay. my point is it went out to my entire network, right? Whenever you have a change in your job or you add something, I must have had a few hundred people privately send me a DM, just, you know, congratulations on the new role. Do you know that I, it took me like weeks. I individually responded to every wow. single one of them. Thank you so much. I appreciate it with their name, you know, an emoji. It took me weeks. In fact, I just finished it maybe last week. That was like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. But my point is when the person opens up their messages and sees that I did that and that I wasn't just a blast, that makes you feel good. Like, wow, this person cares. They took the time out to write me even one line. And that makes all the difference. That's what people don't understand in sales. They want to do, they want to do the least and get the most. Doesn't work like that. They expect a customer to call them. They expect yeah. when they call, customer should pick up. That is not possible. You Absolutely. should be available all the time for customers, right? Absolutely. And it doesn't always have to be right to business, you know, like hi, okay, well, did it no. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Talk. Get to know the person on the other side of the phone or the other side of the Zoom, whatever. Yeah. Okay. I want to know about your experience with Oprah because she's my favorite. She's my inspirational lady. So just yeah. want to know, I know you met her, you had 
wonderful time with her how it all started and what was your takeaway I promise I will keep this short and sweet because I know we've spoken about this. This was just a trip. It started out just a trip with my girlfriends to see her live on tour. We went, um, it was last March. We went to Denver, Colorado. And when we got there, one of my friends surprised us with VIP tickets. So after the show, and there were 15,000 people in that stadium. Oh my God. 200 people were chosen. I believe 200 for a VIP meet and greet. So just a minute or two afterwards, meet and greet, have a photo opportunity. You know, she even, you know, it was like a private lunch in in like the restaurant area of the stadium. And it was great. It was catered. I mean, it, it felt like, you know, you felt like a star. And she came in and she gave a talk to all of us. And it was very intimate. It was amazing. So the meet and greet was at the very end. And when it was my turn to go up and meet her, I wanted it to be impactful. I wanted it to mean something. I didn't want to be just another fan, right? Just somebody that was taking a selfie and that was all excited. Oh, bro, you know, I had gone through a very rough time in my life the whole year of 2019 between, you know, just a layoff. There was a mass layoff in my company and, you know, I lost people in my family and I was in a car crash with the kids and thank God them. Everybody's okay now for the most part. But, um, I wanted her to know that I was there and how grateful I was and that I wasn't just that opportunity to say, you know, and so that's what happened. I, when it was my turn to talk to her, I went up to her and I told her very quickly, but I got it all out, what kind of year I had and what had happened and how it affected me. And I went into more detail with her about my fears and about things that I went through as a result. And, and she I guess she was very moved in that moment. She took her glasses off and held her ha- held my hands and oh my she started to cry. And she just said the most encouraging words to me about how I should just keep going and that I'm here for a reason and that everything that I've been through has led me to exactly where I was at that point. And just to keep moving forward and laying my bricks one by one and keep going in the direction that I'm trying to go in and that the world needs my gifts and that, you know, a lot of women just kind of like quit before the miracle happens. And, you know, and and there was more discussion there, but it ended up turning into like a, an almost 10 minute discussion. So we took, we took a picture together and then she said, come on back. I want to take one more. In fact, I said, (laughs) why? She said, I want to take one more picture with you because Mm -hmm. down the road, you're going to look back at this picture and you are going to remember that I said that you are all heart. And she put her hand over her heart. Wow. So, yeah, I can see. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there's that's the picture with the heart. And then that's the picture, the father picture. Wow. So almost like having uh, angels on my shoulders when I'm wow. on a Zoom. I think you are one of the blessed soul to meet Oprah, Thank right? You. Thank you. <laughs> You're going to like this. I was, what's today? Today's Thursday. Two nights ago, I was on a Zoom. Uh, mm-hmm. It was. Oprah, Jay Shetty, and Dr. Wow. Dr. Bruce Perry. Yeah, they Oprah and Dr. Perry co-authored a book about mm-hmm. trauma, about the brain, and it was the virtual book launch. And Jay Shetty moderated it. And wow. I love Jay Shetty. He's amazing. I've been following him for a long time. Even me. Even yeah. me. I read Think Like a Monk. Yes. I have, where is it? I, I, I read, read it. Oh, I my read God. It. That was like my Bible last year. <laughs> but I was on the Zoom, you know, it was a it was a Zoom event and the three of them were talking and, and okay. it was incredible. It was just 
I'll explain this to you. And I'm sure you can understand this. Mm. When I met her last year mm. and I get chills when I talk about it. When I met her last year, it was a couple of days before the whole world shut down basically with the pandemic. But that was like the last hurrah that gave me the validation and like the kick to just go for it. And, and everything's going to be okay. And that was right before the pandemic. And I have accomplished so much during this pandemic because that was the icing on the cake that I needed. And now I'm on this Zoom two nights ago talking about this book that is on its way here and I'm writing notes and I'm listening and I'm, and it's exactly a little over a year. It's almost like everything came full circle. Wow. It's like mind blowing to me that we try to plan everything out. Like we know everything, how it's going to you know, how it's going to happen. And there's a saying that we use sometimes over here, we make plans and God laughs, (laughs) you know? That's true, yeah. That's Universe supports you if you have a good intention. Right? You just have to put out the good vibes and you have to be intentional and you have to to want something badly enough. And even if you do tiny little things every day and put it out there, just keep going forward. It doesn't have to be these big things. It could be little things. As long as you do that, it happens. It happens. There is a saying, greatness is not by doing great, great things. Greatness by doing small, small things greatly. Absolutely. I <laughs> agree with you more. Yeah, I believe that. I do. And what is a piece of advice you give to women in sales who want to come into sales? The first thing that pops, to, pops in my mind is um, don't overthink it. Don't overthink what the job is and what you think it will lead to. If women look at it just as an opportunity to get into a field, doesn't matter what industry, it could be anything, you could be selling anything. But if women approach it as an opportunity to really cultivate what they already have naturally, to cultivate those innate soft skills that they already have naturally, it really does make a difference. I think too many people get caught up in titles, you know, a BDR, an AE, an SDR, you know, a junior account manager, an account manager, a key account manager. There are so many titles, but if you really spread them out and look at them, there are so many similarities. It's a matter of like formalities. It's a matter of, you know, metrics and, you know, status and everything. But if we remove all of that, It is such an amazing field to get into because you get to interact with people every single day and meet new people and no two days are ever alike. That's the cool thing. You're not sitting down and doing things the same way every day, day in, day out. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some people love that and that's fine. But for people like me that hate that, and I'm being honest, I could never never do that because I'm not wired for it. I need like crazy stuff going on. I need I need to know that like tomorrow might be completely different. I love that. Like I feed off of that. And if you like people and if you love the uncertainty and the unpredictability of that and it excites you and you can make a living doing it and make friends and partnerships, it's awesome. And if you like traveling. Oh, I love traveling. I, believe me, I want to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, went to, I went to Florida to see my parents last month. But besides that, I just want to travel again. I miss that. I do. I do. No, in sales, you have a lot of opportunity to travel, a lot of cities, a lot of countries. You know, that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've never been in a sales position where I did tons of traveling. 
And I know there are so many people that have. I know you've been all over, which I think is awesome. I love hearing, you know, you talk about that. Yeah. But I've always been pretty much, you know, within the US. But it's just amazing to get to see different places and cultures and meet more people and realize that this world is so big and exciting and that we're not the center of the universe as far as like not everybody looks and acts and sounds the way, you know, I do over here. And same with you. And that is awesome. So maybe you, one talk, about, you talk about soft skills, what exactly it means? Awesome question. So soft skills are those innate skills that you have that are not really quantifiable. So being empathetic, being, you know, having integrity, you know, things that you really can't measure. They're personal to you and they're part of how you work and what makes you who you are. So having determination, being very self-motivated, you know, things like that. Those are not quantifiable and they make a world of a difference because there's a big shift going on right now from hard skills to soft skills. People are interviewing for jobs and a lot of the questions are changing and there's just a lot of conversations taking place about not so much the skills that are being used to do certain jobs or certain things within jobs, but how the, what the approach looks like. They're situational, they're relationship oriented. So that's what soft skills are. So I know you're a sales rebellion, okay? Whether it is a male or female, what is the advice you give for sales profession to excel in general? So what I'm hearing is you're asking me the best way for sales professionals to kind of move, move up. forward, what yeah. they have to do. I wish there was a one-size-fits-all answer. I'm often asked this question. I think for me, what I've learned is that I used to be the type of sales professional where if I did everything I was supposed to do and I not only met quota, but I exceeded quota. And if I was a company girl and I had strong relationships and I got along well with my team and management, I used to always think that, well, if that's what I do, then I'm going to be noticed and recognized and awarded. And I'm going to be chosen to be promoted. I honestly felt like that's the way it's supposed to happen in a perfect world. That's what happens. We don't live in a perfect world. So my advice to anybody is to learn from my mistakes. And the lesson is there is nothing wrong with being proactive and advocating for yourself. When I say advocate, I don't mean stepping on people's toes and, and, and going over heads. And no, no, no. I just mean that just because you're in a position where you're answering to a manager and you have team members and you have certain responsibilities, absolutely. But there is no harm in creating alliances within your company, with getting to know people in different departments, with getting to know people that are above you and above your manager. There's nothing wrong with knowing who you are working with and forming little relationships and, and friendships and alliances with different internal stakeholders. Because if you sit back and just wait for your manager to say, okay, today's the day, like, you know, you're my golden employee and I'm going to advocate for you. It doesn't work like that. Your manager is advocating for him or herself and they will watch out for you and take care of you, but nobody will advocate for you better than you. If you want to move up, you have to be proactive and you really have to leverage relationships all around you so that 
not just one set of eyes are watching you. Lots of eyes are watching you. And I know you have gone through a lot of ups and downs, hardships in your life, which make you to overcome that, which is one thing. You, it really pushed you forward to come out of it. Probably hitting rock bottom. Rock bottom looks different for everybody. Rock bottom for some people, you know, land them in a hospital, God forbid. Or rock bottom for some people could cause them to go bankrupt or, you know, or rock bottom could be really sick. You know, like there's so many. My rock bottom was pretty much like emotional. Like I felt beaten down. I felt broken. I felt like I didn't know who I was anymore because I spent so many years in a corporate sales environment. And even though I was able to kind of be myself and be outgoing and humorous and sarcastic and fun, and it was very, you know, straight regulated and a straight line. And you had to do things a certain way and only speak a certain way and act a certain way. And many times dress a certain way. And you couldn't get out of that box. Even if you tried, you will, you know, you do that for 20 years, you start forgetting who you are. You're, you don't know which persona you're going to use and which one you become. You morph into something and you don't even know. And then factor in personal hardships and, you know, death, you know, car accident, layoffs, other things going on, family things going on after. And, and all of it happens in a short period of time. It was like the icing on the cake. Yes, it's not easy. Every time you get knocked down, you have to realize that it's not forever. I'm not saying it's not bad. I'm just saying I would have never had this type of resilience years ago. This is something that's been built and like calloused over, like a, you know, like a callous over years and years and years. So it's not that my journey is any different than anybody else's. I mean, it's different because it's unique to me. It's not about how my story is worse than yours and I had it harder than what it's really about. And that's why I coined the phrase. I mean, it's not my own, but I use it for me. Bounce back ability coach, Mm. because I have learned over 25 or more years of working that every time I was knocked down and fell and crashed and burned, basically, I was able to find that lesson and bounce back better and stronger, and then use that fire, that fuel to go forward. It's everything that you learn in the spaces between each event. That's what it is. So what do you feel now? Like, do you think you really live a meaningful life? You're really doing your purpose? And you found your purpose, found your calling. Do you feel kind of a, you know, self-fulfillment? Do you think so? Do you see this smile? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I see it. I see it. I I can't fake this. I do. I do. You know, we go to school, right? Grade school, middle school, high school, college. We grow up thinking that by a certain age, we're going to have it all figured out. We're going to know exactly what we want to do for the rest of our lives. And it's going to come to us. It's going to fall out of the sky the same way, like the perfect partner is going to fall out of the sky. And we're going to have like a house with a white picket fence around it and like a two car garage. And we're going to travel and have money. And we really think that. And I just want to laugh. <laughs> because <laughs> I thought that too. I was like, I'm in college. I'm going to marry this great person. And then and then God was like, sit down right now. <laughs> you know? So he's like, sit down. I got something to show you. <laughs> and so that's what happens though, because 
we are fed that message somehow, right? Since we're born that this is the way that we're supposed to live our life. And this is what we should expect. And this is just the natural progression of how it goes. And, and that is the furthest thing from the truth. And I can say that now in my mid forties, but I would have never known that 20 years ago. If I would have known in college what I know now, I probably would have dropped out, right? Because, but it's almost like an entire life of dangling carrots, right, in front of us. Like, okay, if you work harder and you just stay focused, this is the next step. And okay, now you're here. All right, keep working hard and keep focusing on this. And now you're going to, here's the carrot, I'm dangling it. You're going to get to the next step. And you know something? When you have that mentality year after year after year in every part of your life, and you start to realize that every time you get to that level that you were waiting to get to, that you don't even enjoy it, you don't like it, you don't care. Now now you're like, oh, I got to get to the next one. And now I got to, you're on a hamster wheel. At what point do you stop running and get off and say, I'm going to just take a break right here and I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to enjoy where I am right now. But nobody wants you to do that because that doesn't serve the economy and that doesn't serve people around you that want things from you. It's a disadvantage to everyone around you, but it's an advantage to you. That's the difference. And if I didn't get knocked on my ass, basically, the way that I did, I wouldn't have been forced to just stop and look around and say, wait a minute, like this is not serving me anymore. This whole thing is not working anymore. And that's what I'm trying to say. If you feel in your heart that there is something that you want to pursue, that you want to do, you want to go into sales, you want to be a sales leader, you want to you know, travel, whatever it is, you have to tune out the noise. You can respect people for their opinion and their advice. But if there's something that deep down inside you want to do, and whether it takes a year or 10 or 20, because it took 20 for me, and it's not that I wasn't able to do it. I was just in the wrong environment to pursue it. And it all came to me. And I finally just went for it in the last couple of years. So that was a very long answer and a very passionate answer. But it was important to know. Yeah, that's actually in one of my article I've written. If a person is earning 10K, okay, he's earning 100K, 1000K, he never gets satisfied. He wants no. more, more, more. Same, same concepts. Same concept. How many people, and it's not that I personally, I'm naming them, but it's never enough. It's never enough. Everybody, they make a certain amount of money. They make that money. The more money you make, the more money you spend. That's a fact. There is probably, I can count on one hand, how many people live within their means. The more money the we more make, you, the money we spend. The more you earn, the more expectation goes up. Absolutely. Like, oh, now you're in this tax bracket and now you're making X amount of money, X amount of dollars. So naturally you have to drive this type of car now and you have to live in this kind of neighborhood. And then you have to travel this many times and you have to wear these types of clothes. And it's all status. It's all status because, and I was just having this conversation with a really close friend last night. And he said to me that the longer he works for the company that he's with, the more he realizes that all of these top performers that are really like you know, working their butt off and making lots of money. He's been there long enough to realize that these, some of these people, male and female, they're working really, really hard so they can buy a brand new Mercedes. They can buy a new Rolex. They can, you know, all of these things to show everyone around them that they have made it to that level and they can afford it. 
And then the novelty wears off and they get bored of it because that's not true happiness. That's like, what if you're on an island and nobody can see your, your car and your watch? Then what, right? <laughs> but it's this constant hamster wheel of got to go, got to go, got to get to this level, got to get here, got to get there, got to show everybody what I'm capable of. No, show yourself, show yourself, pick yourself up off the ground and pull yourself out of a rut and go from here to here and see what that journey does to you. That's where it is. Any books you want to suggest to women in sales or sales or in general self-help books? I don't know if this is something that (laughs) I am rereading Untamed again by Glennon Doyle. Anything by Brene Brown. She's phenomenal. I'm also listening to this book because I don't have time to dig into it. If I read it, I'm going to spend two weeks highlighting and underlining. But Seth Godin, he's amazing. I'm listening to his audiobook now, The Icarus Deception. The book that he wrote before that, The Lynchpin, I heard was like when he was at the top, top of his game and like had like just the, the most explosive ideas. But I mean, male, or, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't matter, male or female authors. I mean, these are people, their, their message really resonates. Obviously, we spoke about Jay Shetty and Oprah, but um, I also love Marie Forleo because she's like a New Yorker and she's a coach and she just has a vibe that I love. And she has a podcast and she has, you know, a couple of books. Everything is figure outable. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a bookworm. So I love that stuff. And, uh, what is important to read book? Why people should read book? What benefits they get? Whether you read a book or you listen to a book, for me, number one, I, I'm not really into audiobooks. I that was just because it was such intense information. I love reading just because I get lost in my own head, right? And and even though even though the words are in front of me and it's written a certain way, we have as human beings which no other animal in the whole animal kingdom has besides a very you know advanced brain, right? And intellect and reason and imagination. We're able to read a book and really kind of get lost in it, right? And create our own universe within our heads and process the information and interpret it and create our own sense of what this is and how to apply it. Like we have that ability. And I love reading from some of these authors because they not only speak my language and do things a certain way that I kind of can not kind of I connect with their approach and their personality. I, I just love reading books, even if it takes me a while, because it opens doors for me. And I realize that there are certain things that I have been either doing or want to do or have been thinking of applying that maybe I've been holding myself back because I don't have enough confidence to execute or I don't know if it will work. And when you start to read books and and really follow other people and hear their stories and what they did, and you realize they've done similar things, that's where you start connecting dots. And besides Mm -hmm. that, you start getting really inspired and you realize there's so many ways out there of doing things. There's so many ways of doing what you and I do better or more effectively or more creatively and you start learning that there are certain things that if you take it a step up, they'll work even, you know, like there's just, there's so much out there and we get so stuck in what we're doing, how we're doing it, that we don't deviate. And so reading from all of these people has caused me and encouraged me to deviate. Okay, so we are end of the show and it was amazing talking to you. I personally yes. enjoyed it. Yeah. 
and if anyone wants to connect with michelle they can connect she impact many lives she genuinely my, wants my to help others yeah do my best absolutely yeah. on linkedin <laughs> i love talking to you though i love talking to you we always have a great conversation yeah okay michelle Bye. Take, Take care. care. Good to see Thanks you. Yeah. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Sell Like Her podcast. Do subscribe and share so that it reaches the maximum women to get benefit by listening successful women's stories. Let's join together and support each other to change the face of sales. Meet you in the next episode. Until then, bye. Take care.